Good morning, church. This morning, we're changing things around a little bit. We have the opportunity to do something that we are not going to get to do for a long time. Many of us, you know, either through the prayer chain or through your personal relationships with the Abiras, have been praying for Peruza's brother, Egal. And Egal's been here, you were here two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Um, and then um, he's been back for a couple weeks right now. And, um, uh, and so we've been praying for him for health. And so this morning we have the opportunity for him to get to report on that and to share how God's working in his life. He goes back to Israel next Saturday, so this is our opportunity today. So we're going to ask him to share his story. Now then, he doesn't speak English. He only speaks Hebrew. Not really. I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) I had some of you wondering, didn't you? How is this going to work out? Anyway, so you guys are going to share. And so thank you very much for for doing this and all. All right? Wow. God, just please give me your words to magnify you and give you glory. Thank you for all of you who've, who've been praying. Um, and that's, in, two, in 2010 I was here, and essentially the plan was for me to go back to Australia and pack up the family and bring them over. And in the process of that happening, one tumor was discovered in my brain and as I was waiting for an operation on the brain and the doctors couldn't explain the symptoms and about just a week prior, not a week actually, it was three days before the brain surgery, the doctors discovered a second tumor inside my spinal cord. Um, So and it was so dramatic, that discovery, that they said to me, Gal, if you live, the likelihood is that you'll never walk again. And let alone you may need to be, uh, you won't be able to breathe by yourself anymore. And I remember, I, I'm summarizing, there, there was so much more to this story, but within the time frame that we've got, um, I remember I came home and my entire family, including myself, being very shocked because we were waiting for just a brain surgery, which isn't just a brain surgery, but uh, suddenly you have these news. And I remember that um, I was so... I didn't know how to respond, but I, I, I took a nap after I heard that. And I... And I got up, I woke up, and the story of Daniel and his friends in the furnace came to my mind. I read the Bible, but I haven't come across that story again for a long time. And so, you know, apart from the general knowledge of everyone knowing, you know, furnace trials, I couldn't really understand if this is from God. So I started praying uh, asking God, is there something in this story you have personally for me? And as I started looking at this story, one of the amazing things, if you remember in that story, is that when Nebuchadnezzar throws Daniel and his friends into the furnace, there's a fourth person that appears in that furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar says his appearance is the appearance of the Son of God. But what amazed me about the story was that when Jesus essentially was next to those men, 
he did not snatch them out of the furnace. I was surprised. I was, you know, the, the reaction of rescuing someone out of the fire is to run in and snatch them out. But it says that they were walking around until Nebuchadnezzar saw them and he called them out. Then I noticed that that's actually a pattern that God has been doing in the past. He could have wiped out the Egyptians before the people of Israel got to the Red Sea crossing. So that's another just a, a remembering item. So I, I, that, that passage in itself with Jesus being in that furnace with those men gave me comfort to relax from my fears as I was heading towards that surgery. But I really didn't understand what was the point in it. So I, went, I was pondering about it. And I, the answers started coming when I, my family gradually started discovering that I was in a wheelchair, I couldn't walk so in, in, for, uh, in the rehab for four months. And the entire year I had to relearn how to walk again. And in the course of that, I was, God was opening opportunities on left and right to talk about Jesus to people. And there was this one Catholic nurse. Um, his name was uh, Roger. And he came to me in person and he said to me, Egal, I, I want to know what is it about you? After all the circumstances you've been through, why do you believe in God still? What's, so, what's making you so radiant to talk about Jesus? And I asked them simply, Roger, what is your purpose in life? And Roger, he didn't think twice. He came to me and he, and he said, uh, my wife, my kids, they're the purpose of my life. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, uh, considering the devastation that my wife, when she received the news and I saw how broken she was, and the kids, my, my children, you know, thinking, will daddy ever play soccer with us again? Um, I didn't have what to say to him. But I knew something's not right with this picture. So we, we finished the conversation and I started praying to God, asking, what's wrong with this, with this picture that I've got? And God turned me to look at Job. Job one was, was one of the books that I, deep in my heart, I really disliked. I've heard that message about, you know, God allows Satan to do some of those things. And I was like, but why would God let Satan do some of those things? And, and I didn't have an answer for a long time. But then the book of Job became a very vivid answer to me. As Job lost his entire family, all of his possessions, he lost all his children. I remembered, I learned from Job that essentially at his last conversation, one of the things that really held Job to continue living and not take his own life probably was that he saw God. He said he's been hearing about him a lot, but the final answer is that because I see you, and he, that, that was an evidence that he had a tangible relationship with God. And I was amazed at that. 
because I remembered then that was exactly why I prayed to receive Jesus. Because of when you've got a tangible relationship with God, and that's important, God is no longer a maybe or somewhere a theory anymore in your mind. The fact that God appeared in a form of a human being and recorded as evidence in history was something that I could hold on to and I can say, here it is. That's, that's the evidence. He is real. And Job's furnace in losing all he had reminded me that that's exactly God's message for me through the book of Daniel. Life is an ocean and it's, it's got raging waves. And if you don't have an anchor, you don't have a tangible point that you can say, I have a relationship with God, those waves will crush you. You will not be able to stand. He reminded me through Job's story that my, my wife and kids, they are gifts from God. And you're not to worship the gift you are to worship the giver. And the other lesson that I learned is that every person ultimately is totally alone, is very lonely. I'm married, but I don't know, my wife doesn't understand me fully. I don't understand her fully. My kids don't understand me fully. And although I may be in a crowd of people, I may not understand them and they may not understand me. There are gifts but at the moments when you lay your head down the pillow and you're all alone, that's just you, God, and the life you're in. So I learned that Jesus is God's hand to step into mankind's furnace and to say, basically, true friendships are forged in times of trouble. A true friend is one that doesn't forsake you when the troubles come. Everyone else will leave you, but that true friend will not. And God is a true friend. He stretched himself out into our furnace and into my furnace and into Daniel's furnace, staying in there through it to forge a friendship. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that communion um, message that uh, reminds us that there is, there is nothing more. You can't do anything more. You can be very religious about it. You can actually have the gospel word for word right. But if you don't have this personal knowledge of God, something's empty. It's just not there. And there is nothing to equate it. So... It was God's hands to provide a neurosurgeon in Australia, which I had, I did not know the hospitals. That person being a brother in the Lord, and I remember the day that my wife was next to my bed with another brother in the Lord, um, and the doctors were on vacation, and she was crying out to God, saying, God, where are you? And as soon as she just finished saying that in walks this tall Singaporean gentleman with his staff. And he goes, Egal, where is that name 
from? And I said, it's Hebrew. And he said, are you Jewish? I said, well, I'm Jewish, but I believe in Jesus. And then he quoted, <laughs> he quoted this uh, two verses from the Bible, in, from, from the Psalms in Hebrew. And I remember my wife and, and that other brother, they were so, their jaws were just stuck to the ground. Because it was just as soon as she finished crying to God, which that person walked in. And uh, I remember that brother later texted, I found a Singaporean Jewish believer <laughs> to everyone around. And ultimately, that person, much later, we discovered, was the only one that God appointed to be able to do that surgery on me. He turned out to be the professor of neurosurgery in, in that hospital, and he's done that particular case of surgery around the world for thousands of patients, and he was about to go on vacation, so that it was really an appointed time to be, I guess, you know, God working through him as well in, in restoring doing the surgery so carefully so I can still walk. Um, and that's, you know, thank you, thank you, Lord, for just providing this, um, this blessing, and, and thank you for not only that. I always have just more than that, because had it not been for Jesus, essentially, I would have nothing to do with you guys here. Uh, there was, you know, but now you're a family. You've been praying for me, and uh, Piruz was reporting how the church is, and isn't that just awesome, someone that you totally would not know otherwise, just because you know Jesus and you can talk to them, they are your family. And that church in Australia was actually ministering to my family more than my parents who do not believe could ever, and that became a very strong testimony to them as well. So thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your church.